I'm Deb, I'm studying creative writing at Southern Cross Uni I'm here at the Byron Writers Festival with Ben Quilty. Um, Ben's one of Australia's most well-known artists and a social commentator. He's been the recipient of numerous accolades and has even worked as a war artist with the Australian Defence Force. Free Fall is an art book published this year that brings together um, a recent collection of paintings. Ben, welcome to the Southern Cross Thanks, Uni. Thanks, Deb. That's Thank you for having me on. You know, Fabulous combi. Cool combi. <laughs> Doesn't take much I convincing. I want one. <laughs> um, ben, you said that your acclaim as an artist has given you a voice, um, a profoundly powerful tool for change, you called it. Um, how are you currently using that voice? Well, that's a really good question. I, look, the, the, the latest work I've made is much more autobiographical. That's beyond this book. The newest work I'm making right now is about... Uh, there's a lot of self-portraiture um, and really it's just dealing in a very personal way with it, my anxiety about what's happening to the planet um, and sometimes art for me can be a, a, a salve like that, a, a, a tonic to deal with what's going on in the world. Um, in fact always it is. I, I've I've been asked before, you know, how do you go, how do you recover from a certain, you know, like Maran, Sukumaran being executed, which is the worst, you know, one of the most terrible situations I've ever been in. But at the end of the day, I get to take that anxiety and distress and sorrow to my studio and stand up for, you know, in that case, stand up for his legacy, fight the trolls that said he should be executed um, lobby others become a, a voice to lobby governments yeah and and more most importantly for me at that point to really lock down politicians in Australia to ensure because there is a voice calling for the death penalty in Australia that that will never happen and at the end of it probably 12 months after Myron passed away I felt very confident and I talked to every every politician I could, written, discussed this, that, that it won't happen and that there's no voice strong enough to bring something like that back in. So, so at the same time as my practice being a way of coping, a coping mechanism, it, 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 I'm very privileged in that it can become also a tool for positive change, I hope. You said also you didn't actually mind being in isolation during lockdown. As an artist, it's probably not the worst thing yeah, that no. happened. No, it was great. Um, what impact do you think it had on your art? Well, for the first time in my career as an artist, I had lots of time. No I didn't have to go to any writers' festivals. <laughs> um, I didn't have to give lectures. I didn't have. To, I, I was. It's forced studio time, enforced studio time with my son who homeschooled from there so it was a lovely time to spend with him as well and, and I just got a lot of work done and and that um, as an artist that's really and I think any creative maker having time is the um, is the key so as I as we come out of those lockdowns I just have very feel very comfortable that I have plenty of work and plenty of directions to head in to continue a number of different projects and that's a really um, lovely position to be in. I actually saw, I think it was one that you were working on in, um, during uh, 
period where you, I think you went out to the street and had like, I think it was a beer can from memory, a lighter. Yes. And you weren't quite sure whether that would stay as it was or yes. whether you'd go over the yeah. top of it or continue it. Yeah. Where, where did that one? Uh, it, it ended up in the, I think it's in a show at Tweed actually now. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, and, and look, that was that was work I made. When, when lockdowns first happened, um, and I think we've forgotten how dramatic that was and disturbing it was uh, and I had my son in there and I was making some pretty brutal paintings of um, human figures in distress before lockdown and I thought I need to actively um, um, care for myself and for my family and I started making trying to make very beautiful trying to make poignant still paintings about stillness about still life about sunlight coming through a window and then that morphed into that painting you're talking about where i just saw well, what 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 is still life you know what it's about the act of meditation in the sense of just looking at something and 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 sort of what lockdown did didn't it yes yeah. just just stopped so Stillness yeah. was was absolutely a part of that experience. We probably didn't have that as much as perhaps you did in. A lot of people wasted things. it by turning TV on and watching massive amounts of TV, and I guess look, that's what you're into. Then you are, but we we in, we were very um, aware of how important it was to be still, and particularly for children, to not let anxiety start ruling the way they were living into their future in a very extreme circumstance of lockdown, schools at home. We all those things. haven't seen the impact on some no. of the children yet. My, my, my own son finished year 12 that year, so yes. he, was kind of, he was kind of fortunate, but he couldn't go to uni no. in his first year. There was a lot of things that yeah. impacted, but um, yeah, I don't think we've seen the effect no. yet. No, look, kids are resilient too, um, but you're right. I mean, the, 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 the weirdness of contemporary life for a child of having this mega, megaphone of um, of, of the phone, telephone as this vehicle for mass communication and then suddenly on one day, right, you're not seeing anyone again for endless period of time. When you're, when you're 10, three months is endless. No cricket. No, no cricket. We play cricket. My he smashed my window. He smashed the studio window with a cricket ball. <laughs> I've sat many a time and watched the grass grow on the sidelines of cricket. Oh. I'm, I'm the watermelon bringer. <laughs> um, if there was an opportunity to cover Ukraine, is that something that you think you would do, or is that? Uh, yes, I I have to be careful of myself. Um, and there's only so I, I'm I'm very aware that there's only so much Ukraine should be copying. And I, I went to around Syria during that war and visited many refugee camps in the Becca Valley of Lebanon and Jordan and northern Iraq, travelling around looking at what and, and that took a long time to recover from. I, I so. Be I, and I don't want impact on your family as well as yeah. yes. and more so that for me now. If I leave now, it's a Joey's going into year twelve next year, and I should be around for him. Um, and plus, it's it's a it's a, a disturbing thing for my for them to know that I'm in a dangerous place. So I have to be really careful. And I did for a while. I'm asked to go to every 
I've been, you know, UNHCR, fabulous organisation, and World Vision as well want me to go back to see 13 million refugees living in tents in Afghanistan. Um, but I, I had this conversation with my cousin Andrew actually before when he first went to Afghanistan that I think you can tell this anyone's story if you're good enough from your own studio mm -hmm. and and then you're not risking your own mental health as much and you, you already know what that toll could be yeah having done it before yes yeah mm -hmm. so yeah look I was very driven to go to the Ukraine and very disturbed by it but at the same time the Rohingya mass murder of Rohingya people I've read a lot about that trauma and terrible situation um, at the hands of many Buddhist priests I and mean, that's something we need to come to reckoning with that Buddhism is seen as this vehicle for you know um, spiritual purity in many parts of our community yes and they committed mass murder so I mean there's you, no one wants to talk about that but there's video footage of, of, of Buddhist monks in their robes with machetes um, and I was driven to go there because, I, I, and I haven't, and I didn't, because it's in our, it's in our, it's in our region, and they were really without a voice. More than Ukraine, Ukraine is pretty good at their own propaganda and getting support internationally. Mm. Whereas, you know, or the Uyghurs in China, I mean, it's endless. The indigenous communities here. It's right on the doorstep. Yeah. Um, I know this question was asked in the in the session, so I won't ask it in exactly the same way, but um, with the change of government, um, you know, are you optimistic? You, you said you haven't seen it perhaps come forward yet, but do you think there is any level of optimism to, to wrangle back some of that money for the arts, or is it is it as dire as, as you I, I'd like to? to hope to think that was going to happen, mm. but from what I've heard, the rumours are that they just won't have the money to... One of the terrible things the Australia Council that George Brandis did was to cut funding and cut all the international residencies. And that was a way for art. And I, I did, I went to Paris on a, a residency. I spent six months in Barcelona on a residency. Really important way for us, not only to get our best artists and writers and musicians out to sell our stories outside of the country, but for them to witness what's going on in the rest of the world to keep our storytelling current and contemporary. And he just shut them all down. And they'd taken 40 years to build this unbelievable network in every major city around the world, in LA, in Tokyo, in New York, in Barcelona, in Paris, all around the world, gone. Uh, and that's irreplaceable. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, their attack on education as well, don't get me started. The, the fact that university staff were not given job keeper. It's a direct attack on, a direct attack on education. So, so everyone could get job keeper unless you worked at a university. And if you worked, yeah, they were government staff. No job keeper if you work at a university unless you work at a private university. So they're encouraging private universities. So it's totally about privatizing universe education. Unbelievable. So lots of staff had to go and get a job. Lots of staff left on mass, which was their, that was their evil plan. That's what they wanted. Yeah. 
Do you think it'll ever get to the stage where there'll be the, um, the Biden scenario of wiping the tertiary debt? <laughs> well, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he created it, but. Yeah. Uh, it's a good question. I don't know. I, look, we're yet to see how this government, with no, there's no money. I mean, there's no, really, it's not there. it's not we're poor now in fiscal terms and at a national level. Yeah. The theme of the festival this year is Radical Pope. So what, do you, what does that mean to you, do you think? Uh, look, I think the term radical, it, it, it's for most creatives in Australia. If you're making something, you're, you're going against the, the, the hero-worshipping nature of our communities for sports people, for bush rangers, um, artists have never played a big role in that. So the act of creating and making is pretty radical. We're not supported, actively discouraged at school. So, um, and then to add hope into that, and it's a writers' festival. There are great authors here, um, and I think it's really important. And I heard Christoph Falkus yesterday say he understands that there's anger and hatred, and particularly I think in the in the, um, in the way First Nations and us occupiers are trying to reconcile with each other. But there's space for beauty, and that's hope. That without that, what's the point? It's not that bleak. We're lucky to be alive. We live in an amazing place. We have some of the great, greatest artists um, of, of the world in our midst, and that's hopeful. Yeah. Ben, thank you very much. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thanks.